Hello, everybody, and welcome to the American Pale Meals podcast on this crisp fall day. I'm one of your hosts, Michael, and with me is the other host of the show. It's me, officially endorsed by German beer. Jeremy, Michael, how are you? I am doing great and all that jazz. Jeremy, how are you doing? I'm still a little loopy, but we'll get, I'm sure we'll get into that. Yes. Um, but I am... I'm feeling good. Um, I realized the power of green coffee the other day. <laughs> um, but yeah. Should we talk about that or should we do beer brags? I forgot we had to do yeah, beer brags too. Whatever works. You, you can decide. Let's talk about that first. That, so obviously, you you're referring to the horror movie marathon that you attended. Oh, Friday the 13th. Th- yes. Film Scream. Yes. At uh, the lovely... Film scene theater in Iowa City. Yes. So I want to know how this went. First of all, okay. I want to know what your coffee strategy was. So this horrific. is I guess, horrific. This was six movies. There were six movies, two Q and A's, uh, about ten, five, ten minutes between each movie that had like uh, vintage. Let's all go to the lobby and have ourselves a snack. Sort of like. Uh, Intermission, Inter- intermission sort of things, and they yeah. did like a you have five minutes until the f- until the showing <laughs> starts, and they would show like previews for like Halloween or uh, this awesome looking movie with Lee Marvin and Gene Hackman from like 1973 where they get chased <laughs> by like wheat threshers. <laughs> See, I'm not I'm not kidding. <laughs> it I looked awesome. It looked sweet, but uh, the coffee strategy you say. Um, so my coffee strategy was to have only one cup during the day as opposed to my many or count or countless or whatever you want to call it. So I had one cup of, you know, just plain Jane office coffee during the Mm day and then a pile of herbal tea after that. And so I was, I was dragging a little bit by the time I actually got there, but I, I was, I was feeling good, uh, a bottomless cup of coffee from Wake Up Iowa City was included with the ticket price, and that was clutch. And it was extremely strong coffee too. So, did you like have one between each at each intermission? No, that's insane. Way too much. Yeah, that's, okay. that's that's too much. I think I had the first one after the first movie's Q and A. Um, okay. I ended up having. Let's see. I suspect the cups were 16 ounces, so I probably Whoa. had about 64 ounces of that. Whoa! Wow. Okay. Over over the course of the evening, slash morning, and uh, one of the other things they did in between movies to keep you know interest from waning or brain from flagging, they had everybody do the monster mash. When you go in there, they would have you put your name in a little on a slip of paper and toss it in a little uh, pumpkin bucket. Mm-hmm. Like a trick or treat bucket, <laughs> sure. And and uh, they give away prizes at each one of their weekly showings of horror, grindy, whatever movies you want to call it. And so they did this six times over the course of the evening. And after each movie, they threw your name back in the bucket because people kind of fall away as uh, the night goes on. Hmm. The event was sponsored by a bunch of places, including Wake Up Iowa City, but also by uh, local green coffee energy drink makers, Cobra Verde. Michael, did yeah. you ever 
Have you ever had a Cobra Verde? No. So what is green coffee? It's unroasted coffee beans. Oh, is that yeah. good? <laughs> well, or is, that, uh, is the intent not to taste good necessarily? Well, the the intent is to to get you all jacked up like you've never been jacked up before. Sure. So uh, the drink comes with, it's, I believe it's got like lemon, lime, ginger, ginseng, and green coffee. And I think that's it. Okay. And it's in a 12-ounce bottle. And I won two of them over the course of the evening. <laughs> Did you imbibe that evening then? I had one that evening at about okay. four in the morning. Okay, so <laughs> I want to say when I needed it the most after I had conked out for about 20 minutes during Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which oh, okay. is almost a bit of a feat in and of itself because those movies were loud and uh, <laughs> the, the last act and a half of TCM2 is nothing but screaming and chainsaws at maximum volume. Right. So I'm kind of surprised that I was able to sort of fall asleep. Yeah, when a chainsaw becomes white noise, you have reached. <laughs> well, um, in, yeah. So in my defense, I didn't like. It wasn't like I fell asleep and I couldn't hear anything. I was waking up, like okay, left and right. Okay. So it 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 wasn't like it was just. Uh, and then I I slept through all of that. Um, I just sort of dozed a little bit. If that flagged makes any a little sense. bit. Okay. You mentioned retention. Uh, what would you say percentage beginning versus end? How many people made it through to the end? I can tell you exactly how many people made it through to the end because oh, really? at the end of the evening, they took a survivor's picture, <laughs> which is on uh, Facebook, I believe. But in any case, it is, I believe the theater is 60 seats and mm-hmm. it was sold out. Okay. And there were 15 people that were not employees in that picture. So 25%. Wow! Yeah, congratulations! I know, right? Yeah, I I felt like a big man. It I was impressed with myself, Michael. Um, especially considering the fifth movie that started at about four fifteen, four thirty, was a two and a half hour samurai movie in Japanese. Wow! So you had to read subtitles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm still a little bit loopy, but uh, it's an excellent time. I can't recommend it enough. But in addition to the uh, the prizes they give out, they so they do like you know a couple horror movies that the host has like multiples of, or mm-hmm. just weird stuff that they are given promos. Doesn't matter. Um, but they also each round would give out a whammy prize. Basically, they called it the punishment prize. Okay. And I won one of those. It oh, was it was it. a movie. Okay. Um, and he would describe it loosely before he gave it out. So some of them were like. Uh, Win a date with Tad Hamilton, I believe, was one of them. Okay, I hope it was National Treasure Two. No, well, no, way worse than that. Um, <laughs> okay. One of them was the Martin Lawrence Danny DeVito joint, I guess you could call it. Uh, what's the worst that could happen? But Michael, <laughs> I want a, uh, I want a. It's it's kind of fitting. Um, girlfriend of the show said, "Oh, hey, I kind of like that movie." When we got home, so it's it's not all bad. But it's uh, you got served. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> so um, it, it could have been way worse. That's almost a uh, cultural touchstone in a way of that era, at least. The dude who ran it was just like, I didn't. I was hoping for a lot more break dancing, but it was all Backstreet Boys stuff, so I don't like it. <laughs> it reminds me of that. There was a South Park 
with that. Oh, but yeah, yeah. That, that's precisely what I thought of too when yes. I when I saw it. How long did you sleep when you got back? So I think due to that Cobra Verde. Oh really? Oh, I couldn't no. get to sleep. Oh no. <laughs> well, you're probably yeah, you probably like uh, what you call it. It's all out of whack here. Circadian rhythm too, because it's like oh god, the yeah. sun is like cracked yeah. in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was it was raining really really hard here on Saturday. Okay. Um, but once I so I fell asleep at about eleven o'clock. <laughs> so I was up from a six. We'll we'll go. We'll be conservative and say six thirty on Friday morning to a little after eleven on Saturday. So twenty nine hours with like about twenty minutes of fitful zoning out at about four in the morning. Three, three, three thirty, something like that. Gee. Yeah, and then uh, I slept for three hours, got up, made a sandwich, and then went back to sleep. And I got up at like seven. Okay. So eight, eight hours. Okay. I fell back asleep at ten o'clock that night and uh, slept until you know the morning. And while I'm, I'd be lying if I said I was a hundred percent. I am feeling pretty solid right now. That's good. It's you, there's a unique form of delirium that sets in. Yeah, like about an hour after bar close, like at that <laughs> point where you're fight, you're like actively fighting sleep. Because I definitely got a second wind uh, after I had that brief nap ish thing, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, you you get a, I got a second wind and I felt like I could do a seventh movie. It did run long because of those uh, two Q and A's they yeah. had early on in the movie. So it it was supposed to be twelve hours, uh, but it turned into thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> which is <laughs> significant when you're. Um... <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> but uh, it, it's fun. There's a, there's a weird sense of camaraderie that goes to all the people that make it through. That's cool. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, between all this movie watching, did you have the opportunity? to get a beer to beer brag about oddly enough after <laughs> i woke up on saturday saturday yeah time time's a little sketchy right yes. now so come w- hang with me here uh-huh. i went to the new trader joe's in town okay with uh it, i believe it opened last week the girlfriend of the show and i went out there to just sort of wander around find some snacks she had mentioned that it was a European company, and I I didn't know that. I just assumed it was some sort of California. Oh yeah, I didn't whatever, know that because either. of all the Hawaiian shirts and everything. Yeah, apparently it's a European company. But after she told me that, I noticed that they had their own store brand of Pilsner Ooh. from uh, that was actually made in uh, the Netherlands. I want to say okay. So I I got a six pack of that and I tried it, and it's. You know, it's probably the best store beer I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. It's called uh, Peter's Brand Classics. Hmm. Um, it, was, it was a Pilsner. It was eminently crushable. I gave it three stars. It, and I believe I said, not bad for a store brand. But now that I'm uh, actually digging through this, I have something better, Michael. Okay. We'll, we'll double it up. <laughs> All right. It was a couple weeks ago, I was at the store, and I got Stone's Neapolitan Dynamite. Oh. You ever heard of this one? No, no. It is a it is a collaborative brew between Abnormal Beer Company and Stone. And I mean basically it's a it's a Neapolitan flavored beer. So it's really? got Well, 
it markets itself as a Neapolitan flavor okay. beer. Uh, vanilla, chocolate from the roast, and strawberry. Okay. Okay. Mm. Have you ever had strawberry in a beer that wasn't a sour? Not, no. If I had it, okay. it was probably a sour. Have you ever had anything like a raspberry-flavored stout? Yeah, or something like I think that? somewhere along the line. So, okay. So it felt kind of like that. Okay. The beer itself was good. It was solid. It was, you know, it was... It was just a good standard stone stout, and then that strawberry kicks in at the end, mm-hmm. and it's it's incredibly unusual because that strawberry waits around until the very end, and then wham, and it's not like overwhelming or anything, but it does hit you pretty significantly, and you're like, oh wow, hey, whoa, what? And so that was pretty great. I highly recommend it. Four point two five for me. Mm. I also had a collaboration brew. O O R L Y. Yes. Um, Orly. This one was between. It's also from the Netherlands, and it's mm-hmm. from J O P E N. Hoppen. Joppen. 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 Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, and Cigar City in Florida. Ooh. So this was called Wayne's World, because I guess Wayne Wambles is. Cigar City, and he's the one who uh, collaborated with them. <laughs> that's that's the name? <laughs> that's what I'm reading here, Wayne Wambles. That's great. So it was a blonde, and that's all I knew when I started to drink it. And I'm like, ooh, this is weird. It's kind of piney. I was expecting, and it's supposed to be like a U.S. blonde style, so I thought, oh, maybe they're going to make it like a little hoppy or something. And I'm like, uh-huh. a pine hops is a really weird choice. Then I read, it's made with juniper and grapefruit and aged on cedar wood. Ooh. So it is, yeah, a lot of flavors. I I don't know. Blonde beers, I like them a lot. And this one, I don't know, it kind of turned the style on its head. So it wasn't really blonde based on those other flavors in my book. Mm-hmm. Just blonde in color, sort of like that nebulous amber or yeah, red. Yeah, yes, exactly. So mm-hmm. um, it was fun to drink as a... Nice little um, experiment of flavors. I probably wouldn't like rush out and get it again, but it was uh, a uh, fun one to try. Interesting. Yeah. Good work, Michael. Yeah. 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 Share me a few quick news items. Oh, oh, once again. Oh, really? From Beer Advocate, we talked about this a few episodes ago about. Weed beers, dude. And they had an ar- article, cannabis-infused beers on the rise. Uh-huh. You know, we kind of talked about it already, but the reason why I um, thought this was interesting is they named specific products, and they also talked a little bit more about the composition that goes into it. So we talked about Lagunitas, super critical, and... Um, the Waldo's 420 Special or whatever it was? Yeah. Well, that one is like weed-flavored. Like, it's supposed to taste like weed, but I don't think it has weed in it. But the Super Critical no. actually has a... Uh, Pot! Bud. <laughs> I'm just, just thinking of all Michael. the, uh, all the uh, synonyms for weed that we can. Um, Hop. <laughs> so... Um, jazz sticks? This one... <laughs> jazz sticks! This one, uh, they talked about how when um, it's used, they actually use um, cannabidiol or oh, CBD. You did and, it right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the other um, 
compound in marijuana, THC, that's more the psychoactive one, kind of gives you the loopy effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but CBD is non-psychoactive. So um, that's what they use in the beers. So it's not like uh-huh. it's not like munching on an edible or something like that necessarily. <laughs> um, so one example they gave is Two Flowers IPA from Coalition Brewing in Oregon. Apparently the idea behind it according to the owner, was to kind of marriage the flavors. It wasn't to just like, oh, let's put weed in the beer kind of gimmick. They actually wanted Novelty. to... Novelty, yeah. yeah. Show how similar the two compounds were. And so that has 55 IBU and okay. 3 milligrams of CBD. Reefer? Reefer. <laughs> yep, there's another one. Reefers! Um, so I'm like, 3 milligrams, is that a lot or not? And so there is a pharmaceutical, which is THC, and that mm-hmm. is dosed between five milligrams and twenty milligrams a day. So I think for like medical purposes. Yes, for, for like, like medical purposes. Medicinal marijuana. Yeah. Well, it's a okay. it's a tablet, and it. Well, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. For using it for the same reasons that one would use medical marijuana. Right, more or theory. less. Well, yeah. I think it's for like. Uh, to promote appetite and to. <laughs> For reals, and <laughs> seriously, yeah, and they for, use that for an appetite uh, in in inducer, yeah, enhancer. I don't. What would you call that? Stimulant, appetite. Stimulant. There you go. That's the word. Okay, thank you. And it's also for like nausea and vomiting. Sure, um, sure. Maybe not first line, but it's used, and mm-hmm. it's legal on a federal level. That tablet. So anyway, so that's like five to twenty milligrams, and this just has three milligrams in it. So that one's not that, like, I thought, gee, that's not that much. So maybe it's really just a flavoring type thing like they were getting into. So um, there was another one they mentioned, Long Trail Brewing in Vermont had a draft-only Labor Day release with an IPA combining ginger and hemp honey from nearby growers. Um, And that had 20 milligrams of CBD in it. So that one seems a little more, um, I need a synonym, ooey forward. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Dubers, dubers. Um, so it's interesting to see like the actual numbers oh, behind God. it. From <laughs> for me, I don't know about you. Okay, um, okay, just making sure. Anyway, I don't think we'll see these anytime soon. Maybe in a decade. Eh, oh, dude, a decade! You are, you are going crazy. Too soon or too early? Uh, oh, the the dam is broken, sir. Yeah, but they're go- look who the attorney general is. Well, I I understand that, but you know what? Doesn't matter if the federal one's going. It's going to keep dribbling in state by state. And all these uh, states' rights folks are going to have a real pickle on their hands <laughs> when, when they get to that. <laughs> but uh, I'll stick. I'll steer away from the hot button issues. But you're you're not wrong with the uh, with your remarks about our esteemed attorney general, <laughs> the current state. We'll see though. I'm I'm gonna stick with myself on this one. I think I'm right. CBD, more like TBD. <laughs> How long have you been waiting to use that one, Michael? I actually just thought of it. Really? You, you weren't up till like three in the morning thinking of that one last night? Yeah, writing it down on my yeah. uh, APM pod whiteboard, and mm-hmm. like I'm just staring at it, and then all of a sudden I just get mad and just erase the whole thing and start over again when I'm planning each episode. Clearing off the table. Yeah. You don't get it. It has to be right. <laughs> Jeremy, there is a campaign to buy AB InBev 
for <laughs> what? <laughs> for $213 billion. Okay. And it's being fronted by the Brewers Association. Really? Yeah. Now, they have a little YouTube um, clip that says why they're doing it and everything, but soon you realize that it's just satire and they're being comedic mm-hmm. and it's just to launch awareness of um, craft the true beer. true freak label? Yeah, the, the true freak label, craft beer, and um, why craft beer is important. So it's kind of cute. I recommend trying to check it out. Check out uh, Take Craft Back. So I'm kind of a mixed feeling about this. Yeah. This is kind of what I feel that all of those people that uh, that this, that agree with those uh, commercials where they have like a mustachioed Brooklyn looking dude talking about whether or not there's uh, hints of melon in it. And they're like sniftering thing and they're like, we make beer for people who drink beer. You know, like really hitting those bees on there. Uh-huh. They, they did it in a, in a Super Bowl commercial a couple of years ago. Oh yes, yeah. I think I know. Do you what know what I'm talking, talking about? about? Yeah. Okay. I think this is that it, doing things like this is playing right into their hands. And you know, on top of that, if these people don't have InBev to moan about, what are they going to complain about? Then they'll turn against one another. You oh, got to yeah. have, you, you you have to have an enemy. Otherwise, but, what's there to go against? How are you different if you're the status quo, Michael? That's true. Well, and that's why I mean, obviously, they're not going to do this, but um... qui bono. Who benefits? <laughs> Follow the money. I just I think it's a little humorous thing. People, if you you know if you watch it, don't scroll to the comment section because people oh, take boy. it way too seriously. Well, that you can say that about, about anything. anything. <laughs> just don't ever read the comments. <laughs> just don't do it. It's no good. It's just a little humorous promotion to raise awareness about true craft beer, which some of the craft breweries that they bought out are still like are technically local and stuff, so all mm-hmm. the arguments don't work. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I'm he- I'm hesitant. Like I said, I'm hesitant about all this stuff because of the reasons that I've already established. It's going to turn into the who's more punk of craft beer. Like, you're not craft. You have 0.89% owned by Imbev. Or yeah. Well, that's, you know what I mean? The criteria seem to be kind of, you know, they change them in that, like, kicks people out and brings new people in. And then everybody's like, rah, 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 you can't do that. Rabble, rabble, rabble. But that happened in 2013 with Yingling or something like that. And so, oh, it, yeah, the this definition of craft they put forth is that, just that, their definition. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Anyway. Look, a good beer is a good beer. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Kurt Angle. <sighs> what else we got? <laughs> is that a Kurt Angle quote? Yeah, it's true. It's true. Oh, oh, okay. Jeremy, I want to talk about bells. Why, oh, why would you want to do that, Michael? Well, you'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy, I want to talk about <laughs> the biggest bells in the world. Okay. All right, right now, the biggest bell in the world. I'm not, I was going to make this a quiz. I'm like, how the heck is anybody going to know about bells? So I'm just going to talk. Okay. Yeah, go for it. So the biggest bell in the world is the Bell of Good Luck in China. It weighs um, 116 metric tons. Good God. Yes. And 
and um, it, it works. I listened to it ring on a YouTube video, which I'm sure did not pick up all the, um, the audio qualities. booming bass of it. Yes. Uh, but it's huge. And yeah. they ram a big don't say. wooden thing into it, and it goes bong. So, um, so that's functioning. That was cast in 2000 for the New Year's. Awesome. I like that. I like people making freakishly large things for no real reason. Now, the largest non-functioning bell is the Tsar Bell in Russia. It is 200 metric tons. What's with this metric ton? Is that just like 2,000 kilograms? Yeah. Or 1,000 kilograms? 200,000 kilograms. 200,000 kilograms? Yes. So, to translate that to... Isn't that smaller than a regular ton? No, it's not. It's larger, I think. Um, uh, so this anyway. is about 450, 100,000 pounds. No, I just said 100 twice. <laughs> 450, right? 450,000 pounds. That's a, yes, that's a Michael, number, that right? is how you pronounce numbers. <laughs> Cripes. Um, 20 feet tall, 22 feet diameter. Um, they used to house a chapel inside of it. <laughs> Um, it, it was never rang, so it's actually um, the third iteration of the bell because they kept melting down old ones and building new ones and adding to it. So it's like a Franken bell. Yeah, and so this was cast in uh, 1735. It was pretty much done, and there was a fire. It got hot, and the guards were fearing it would get damaged in the fire. So they dumped ice-cold water on it. <laughs> That's the worst thing you could do. And it cracked. <laughs> yeah, you don't see. Yeah, and it actually cracked in such a way that a little piece on the bottom fell out, kind of making a little doorway, really, so you could walk into oh, it. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so that's why they turned it into a chapel for a little bit, I guess. Interesting. Yeah, and that little piece itself weighs... <laughs> a remarkable amount. <laughs> like 25,000 pounds or something like Jeez, that. Good God. Um, so that's the Tsar Bell in Russia. So that's never wrong... But it's on display in front of some church, I think. But Jeremy, the but biggest Michael. bell ever cast. The Great Bell of Damazetti. Okay. And this is in current day Myanmar. Okay. Myanmar? Myanmar. 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 Burma. Burma. Old school Burma. Um, or current Burma. Whatever. Um, this is... Just shy of 300 metric tons, 650,000 pounds. Thank good work, Mike. <laughs> Thank you. And it is... Just, just over a half million pounds. Yes. That's, is that easier? That That's beautiful. Okay. It is currently in the bottom of the Burma River. <laughs> just sad. Um, so this was cast in the 1400s, actually. Okay. And the darn Europeans came down to Burma in the late 1500s, and some Portuguese warlord mercenary wanted to take... Was looking for a soul to steal. (laughs) Yeah, they wanted to take it and uh, melt it down to make cannons or something. I can't argue with that. (laughs) I can't argue with that. No, cannons are pretty awesome. So he put it on a boat. Well, actually, he put it on a little raft that was like dragged by a boat or something like that. Like a, a dinghy? <laughs> yeah, well, and the raft <laughs> broke apart and it sunk down, down <laughs> to the briny depths. 
Oh, well, I don't know if they're briny, but to the depths. I was just going to call you out <laughs> on that. It's like it's a river, Michael. Come on. It's believed to be like under 20 feet of mud. There have been expeditions to try to find it. Don't have enough cranes. Dives, sonar, and allegedly, well, it's kind of a, it's a charlatans come in and be like, yeah, I found it over there. Fund my expedition to bring it up kind of deal. Nobody has successfully done it. No one's has successfully, people say they know where it is, but there's never been any like proof to the public of that. Well, I know where it is. At the bottom of the river? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Time will tell if it ever gets raised and what it looks like. But it's, yes, been sitting under there for well over 400 years now. Uh-huh. Uh, just waiting to be discovered. So that's the biggest bell. That's a pretty big bell. Bonus bell. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I found out that I saw the biggest bell in the United States. And it's not the Liberty Bell, Jeremy. It's the World Peace Bell in Newport, Kentucky. Uh, uh, okay. Which, uh, when I lived in Cincinnati, I, I saw it. I didn't realize it was the biggest bell in the country at the time, but um, mm-hmm. it was. I see. Jeremy, do you want to introduce today's beer? Yeah, Michael. <laughs> uh, today we are tagging up with last week's beer, the Hawker Shore Oktoberfest, right. which... Mm-hmm. Gave us a shout-out on uh, Twitter, which is cool. Danke. Danke, Shane. Uh, but today we are going, we're coming to this side of the pond with the decidedly not original OG... Uh, not one of the big six, we'll say. Not one of the big six. Uh, today we're going for, to Comstock, Michigan. And in case you couldn't figure it out, in case Michael's, you know... <laughs> Bringing a David Lynch level of inscrutability <laughs> to the proceedings, we're having Bell's Oktoberfest. Yes, that's right, Bell's Oktoberfest. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so we've had Bell's on the show before. I don't, we don't need to get too in depth into them. Oh um, yeah, but yeah, like you said, Comstock, Michigan, they do Two Hearted, right? That's probably their. That's correct. Big claim to fame. I mean, it's their best one. Yes, for now. Yeah, well, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so the beer bottle is kind of basic. It says Marzen on it, and it's just a uh, Oktoberfest beer in kind of oldie Oktoberfest font on top of a big orange leaf. Yeah. Um, I'll read the flavor text on the back, I guess. Fall is my favorite time to drink beer. The weather turns cooler, there's a bounty of foods, and beer just seems to taste better. I hope you enjoy this traditional beer as much as I do. Prost. Uh, and that's interesting. Is that Jerry Terry Bell signature there? I I can't read. I don't. It's very squiggly. Larry. It looks like a Jerry. Larry. <laughs> okay. I think Larry <laughs> sounds right based on the previous time we had bells on this show. It is Larry Bell. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. ABV five point five. And I'm trying to think what shelf life three months. Okay. Mine was packaged on the 16th of August, so I'm still in that window. I imagine mine's uh, probably on the same day. Oh, look, it is. All right. Let's uh, let's get down to it. We've been ja- good gravy. We've been jabbering for a while. We Michael. have. In the interest of science, I'm controlling for the type of glass. I'm using the footed pilsner that I used last week. Clean, of course. I'm not a monster. <laughs> I am using 
a cleared dimpled stein. Same as last week? Uh, no, the last week was earthenware. Mm, that's right. Well, let's give it a pour, Jeremy. It's a little bit darker than last week's. It is a little bit darker. And that, I wonder if that's... Uh, that's That seems American to me. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. If it's our, uh, kind of what we were discussing last week. Amped up malts. Amped more. up hops. Yeah. Brutal, brutal, brutal. <laughs> Still has a little bit of a noble nose. A little bit. It's very farmy in its nose. Mm-hmm. Very effervescent. It's uh, yeah. got a, a nice gnarly head on this footed Pilsner glass. Yeah. It's kind of uh, sticking around, too. It's got some yeah. thickness to it. So far, outside of the color, have you noticed any differences between this and uh, last week's? Um, I mean, it's it's it's. I know it's hard because that's all that we've been able to tell is that and like the <laughs> smell, and the smell isn't really all that much. So while I keep jabbering and talk myself into a hole, Michael, how about you have a sip and I will uh, keep yammering at these fine people who are listening and uh, say I could be entirely wrong, but I think last week our only hesitation towards Hawkershore, Peshore, whatever I don't remember, was that it was it seemed a little light bodied not as mm-hmm. uh not as beefy as we would have expected yeah. it right kind of more easy to drink rather than um heavier if you will true a uh this is going to sound uh, derogatory but i promise you it's not intended that way the uh the light beer of oktoberfests right you know once i like i said it's it sounds derogatory because light beers are you know, generally a dirty word. I don't mean that in a bad way. Right. Go ahead, Jeremy. It is, yeah, it is a little thicker on the tongue. Yeah, it is. It's a little more potent. Um, I'm thinking it might be more potently hopped. Um, A little bit, yeah. The hocker, sure, I felt the hops came in the back of the tongue. This one kind Mm -hmm. of is a whole tongue experience. Yes. I would say the malts are actually kind of similar. This one's a little maybe darker, a little maybe. I feel like the malts are... uh... There's more of them. Yeah. For lack of a better word. Or it's a denser malt flavor yeah. anyway. Denser. That's a good way to say it. Contributing to that body a little more. It's good, though. It's good to have yes. an Oktoberfest beer. It is. As you were saying last week, you know, you kind of get all hyped about them, and by the end, you're kind of sick of them, but... Um, so well, far, so good, man. When you're in the throes of October, they're just great. Yeah. I I agree. What uh, is there anything that you that's not doing it for you with this beer? There's not much so, so far. So far, there's not much to complain about. No, I don't think so. I think yeah, I, I don't, I'm not really sure if I have a good answer for that. I'm not saying it's so like this is perfect. a five star beer. Then it's not a five star beer. I guess um, I mean just but to the style. Speaking to the style, there's not much to complain yeah, yeah. about. Yeah, I agree. Um. Personally, I would. So this one, the more I have it, it's it's getting a l- the sweetness is starting to grind a little bit. It's not. I can see bad. that. Yeah, I can um, see that. But I I feel as this one warms up, it's going to get a little uh, just a touch cloying, mm-hmm. and by no means a deal breaker. Yeah, kind of a grainy sweetness. Yes, it might be because I'm still sort of congested from <laughs> the weekend. Mm-hmm. Those bathrooms at those all-night movie marathons get a little hairy, and it kind of destroys your nose. Uh-huh. I kind of wish the hops were a little bit more up front. Um, 
even more I so. feel well I mean I mean I just wish it had a little bit more of the the spicy noble effect that one gets yeah. out of a pilsner the you know po- I mean? hops are on the earthy side I would say more so than um yeah like a spiciness or I, th- I think I see the, what you're the spiciness. saying yeah that, yeah that's uh that's what I'm thinking of you want to control the spice yeah it is very noble earthy hops which I like from time to time they're not my favorite I think they go well with this malt profile um, yes, they do very much so. Like I said, they're just—it's not my favorite hop. No, but I mean, it's—I—I—I I th- I still think this is a pretty good example of the style. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's for sure too. Um, um, like like we said, it's—it's it's hitting the style perfectly. I think it's—it's it's nailing the style perfectly. I'm just—I've had a good number of Oktoberfests, and uh, I'm at that point where it's like, all right, bring on the stouts and the porters and the. Maybe a winter warmer or a nice filthy IPA or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But still a very good example of the style. Yes. Uh, Michael, should we should we uh, hop into the FDR? Uh, the rating, the R of the FDR? Yeah. And so we found it and we drank it. Now we're rating it. Jeremy, I'm going to put you on the line and have you go first. Okay. I have a feeling we're going to give it a similar rating. Maybe I'll Probably. even I'll even lock mine in. I'm going to go with a 3.75, Michael. Mhm. Um I really enjoy this beer, but I I feel like there's not a ton differently that you can do with this style. This is not like we said last week. This is not one that leaves a lot of room open for interpretation. Mhm. Um if if you don't like the Marzen slash October style uh, Oktoberfest style, you're not going to like this beer. Right. I mean, there's nothing. You're not, you're not magically going to find an Oktoberfest that you that rings the bell. Right. Like you might with an IPA. Like some people like piney hops. Some like the fruity. Some like blah blah. You know, take your pick. Uh, there's not that level of variability in here. But if anybody has a particular Oktoberfest that they think kind of tweaks the formula, breaks the mold a little bit, I'd love to hear about it. Because absolutely, I'm interested in trying to pick up some subtleties between these, um, which I can get into my rating now. You know, we did two Oktoberfests in a row just for that reason to see if there'd be any subtleties in between them, and because it's October. Yeah, I think the only uh, difference that I'm really noticing is the. Uh... Is, kind of, is the he- is the heft of the beer right? Right, and I think with that, like each of the beer has their own merits. Like this sure. one's a little more thicker, a little more to grab onto. The other one's a little more quaffable, a little Absolutely. more lighter, easier to drink. But they're <laughs> that's very relatively speaking. Um, so I'm also going to give this one a three point seven five, which is the same one as I gave last week. Boom! Each of them had their own merits. So yeah, get it while you can. If you had enough, take a break. But uh, enjoy it. Enjoy Oktoberfest while you can. And tell me what the ultimate Oktoberfest beer is so I can go and find it and try it too. Mm-hmm. Do you think if there was an Oktoberfest that was barrel-aged, Jeremy, if they did something mm. like that, would that ring your bell? <laughs> Probably not. Um... I mean, like like we said, I think if you if you added some sort of weird 
extra flavoring to it, it wouldn't be an Oktoberfest, now would it? Right, yeah. The very definition is uh, means it has to be exactly like this. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's true. And I think if you did put some variant on it, it might get into like this Uncanny Valley thing, too. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, this is an Oktoberfest, but it has this weird uh, rum barrel thing that kind of tastes different, but it just doesn't taste yeah. right. So who knows? Maybe there's something out there. Yeah. And next week we'll swerve in a completely different direction. Yeah, we will. A spooky direction. But yeah, that's uh, that's like another one down the gullet. Jeremy, mm-hmm. do you want to do the social media things? Sure. So you can find us at APM Pod on all of the everything. You can find us at APM Pod on uh, Twitter. You can find us at APM Pod on Facebook. You can find us at APM Pod on Gmail. Send us an email, why don't you? It's great for us. Uh, you can find us at APM Pod on YouTube. Be the first one. I noticed that today. <laughs> uh, you can uh, find us and hit that subscribe button on. Uh, let's see. What do we got? We got iTunes. We got uh, Google Pl- Music. You got Stitcher. You got whatever podcatcher that you might want. Grab an RSS feed. Pop it in there. Do what you got to do. Oh, yeah. And we're at, at APM Pod on uh, Untapped. That's right. Curated by the Tom Bombadil of the podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. <gasps> Mike. Well, he is the Tom Bombadil of the podcast. Uh, um. Yes. Host Emeritus Mike, Keeper of the Untapped. Yeah. Tom Bombadil. <laughs> I'm not going to ever say that, but... Uh, mm-hmm. Um, so I'll do it. For Jeremy, I've been Michael. <laughs> eh, yeah, for Michael, I've been Jeremy. Check in next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.